everyone and welcome to the forward thinking podcast it's christy and charlie here from cs2 on today's podcast we have melissa minor she's the director of demand generation at sales loft and today she's going to be chatting about her tips and tricks for supporting an sdr team um, operationally uh, and pretty much everything in between uh, for the tools they use and what processes you can create and uh, we're really excited to have you on today melissa thanks for joining Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Great. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited about this episode because SDR operations, I've talked about it in the past, but it's just like one of my passions. I've always loved uh, working with those teams and still continue to do that. I think uh, there's no better kind of relationship between the operations team, demand generation team and the SDRs because they're one of our biggest customers. So, um, and you working at sales loft, I think can, you can give us also uh, some tips and tricks and to how to support them, especially if you have a sales engagement platform. But before we dive into that, could you just give a little bit about your background, Melissa, um, and, uh, how you got to where you are today as the, uh, director of demand gen and what you do at sales loft. Sure, would love to. So um, I've been in SalesLoft for about four and a half years. As the director of demand gen, I'm responsible for um, our account-based uh, marketing team, our operations, our marketing operations team, as well as our inbound SDRs. Our outbound SDRs live within the sales org, but um, I, I love having inbound under me because it makes me that much better of a partner to outbound, being able to, to really see their day-to-day -day and then being able to take that to, to the other team and, and really bridge that gap between sales and marketing. Um, prior to sales off, I spent most of my career in partner marketing, and that's kind of how I uh, fell into the ops world. There's so much with partner marketing that's overlapping between both marketing, sales, and ops when you have so many interjunctions of uh, teams collaborating together and tracking attribution. So uh, I naturally fell into the ops world um, after that and, uh, and joining SalesLoft um, took on the operations plus the demanding team. So how's your experience been um, with that alignment with those three teams? You've got ABM, you've got ops, you've got your SDRs all within your team. Like that must be like there must be so many benefits to that. Can you talk about that a little bit and how you found that? And, and it's, you know, not everyone has that. Sometimes SDRs are like completely in sales and any opinions you might have on the best place to put SDRs. Yeah, what I love about my role here at SalesLoft having those three groups is I'm kind of the marketing team that is most directly tied to sales and revenue. So it's kind of like the one team that when it's something sales related, we are there and have their back. We partner together and are very much aligned. Um, it, it, it really, really makes it easier having like the one team tied to sales as one team. It's just split up um, in different groups within marketing. Um, but having inbound under us, I, it was something new that came about about a year and a half ago. They were originally aligned under the sales org and we brought them under marketing so that we could really see what was impacting um, the, their sales cycle, hearing their calls of people coming through the website, um, requesting a demo, requesting to talk to sales and what they thought they were requesting versus what reality is, I think helped us as marketers understand what people in the market were asking for and then 
change our messaging so that everything across the board could be more aligned to what we were seeing people demanding new sales tools um, and what they wanted. Yeah, and I think that I feel like some people could say that you can get that alignment even when SDRs are in the sales team, but I, I still feel like there's something really to be said for like actually having them in the same team, right? So like it sounds yeah. like you went from what went from the old way of doing it to the new way. Like, was it really like was it really kind of a, a switch that went off and something just changed like quite quickly when they with that with them reporting into the different team, um, or was it? More complicated than that was it a gradual process like taking them on or how did it actually go down like when you actually went through that change um it was a quick decision and i think that it probably maybe two months in when we started realizing how big the impact could be um we saw that our inbound team just didn't have as much maybe enablement as the outbound team had because since the outbound team had so much mentorship from like aes uh, they they had a lot of what they needed to kind of grow in their careers, and the inbound team um, is a lot more process centric than than outbound a lot of times because of the flow of of taking in leads and constantly taking calls back to back to back. Um, so being able to understand that they were so much process more process oriented and also a lot more um, consultative than outbound. Outbound um, SDRs were very much so you know trying to um, sell why sale, uh, sorry, outbound SDRs were so much uh, trying to sell why sales engagement was important and inbound was really um, trying to intake what problems the, that prospect was having and seeing if we were a fit or if we weren't a fit, we're recommending other tools in, in the sales uh, you know, tech space that might help them solve their problem. So that process and consultative kind of um, viewpoint of inbound was so separate from the rest of the sales team. So bringing them into marketing where um, we, we had a lot more, uh, you know, tools and data to, to give them to be able to make that process super efficient is, is where we really saw like two months in, it really clicked, like this was the right place for them to be. Um, and then just hearing everything that they heard in the market and be able to translate back that to what we were doing in our campaigns. Yeah. So do you have someone that, uh, basically manages those inbound SDRs or is that you or how does, how does that work? And what's that relationship like? And how do you create a relationship with like the SDR manager, um, mm -hmm. if you're in operations? Yeah, I didn't originally. So originally our team was three when they came under me and um, I overnight became an SDR manager. So that was a huge thing that I never thought I would ever do. I often joke about it because someone uh, yeah, literally in the office a year and a half ago in passing was like, did you hear you're taking on inbound? I was like, I knew it was possible, but here we are. Um, so we became an SDR manager overnight, something I never thought was, was in my career path. Um, and I loved it more than I could have ever imagined because I it, it finally kind of closed the full circle gap of sales and marketing. And I felt like I could see it all. Um, our team has grown now and now we're a team of seven. So I do have an SDR manager under me um, who was actually one of my first hires uh, when I brought in the inbound team. So she's now managing the team. Um, and it's, I, the relationship is great. I'm very process oriented, very operations tech minded in a lot of ways. She has a lot more sales perspective, a lot more 
around messaging and coaching. So that relationship has been really awesome because we balance each other out in a, in a great way. And I'm very thankful that um, she's in the role that she's in because she's done a lot for us. It must've been kind of crazy to take them on because it suddenly clicked when you said a year and a half ago, that would have been probably just as everything went remote. Um, and now you're in a position that you hadn't done before managing SDRs, but then you can't, it's such a, it's such a, like a, I know it's people have probably adapted now, but it felt like in the past, you really needed to be like around each other to like make sure that yeah. was working and being yeah. able to like walk over to the desk, see how they are, have them communicate with each other, just like leaning over and chatting to each other about best practices. How did that go down for you? How, how was that experience? Um, you're exactly right. It literally was February last year when the team joined. So we got to have one beautiful month together in the office and, and then we went remote. Um, it, it did, it did change. I think the, the first few months were difficult, um, especially because we hadn't like built up a strong team bond immediately. I think that's something that's really fostered in person a lot of times. Um, but as we started to get closer and I started to understand like what their pains were and like what they were experiencing prior to being on my team, um, I think it built a tight bond really quickly once we were able to share what they were seeing, what I was seeing, and then being able to fix it. I think, you know, being able to help one another is the closest, the easiest way to build closeness as a team. Um, and I think that's what fostered it. Um, and, and I'm thankful now that the world is adapted and we all are able to make these bonds a, a lot easier, quicker remotely than we, we were at first. Um, but I, I think Salesforce has a really strong culture in terms of like who we hire, like really smart people, really intelligent people, people who just foster collaboration. So I think in our hiring process, we're hiring people who innately want to build those bonds. So that's, that's helped a lot. That's great. You touched yeah. on one thing and I think this is a very good segue because we want to talk about like, what are some of the biggest pain points that SDRs have uh, first, and then also chat about like things that maybe you've done to alleviate them, but let's focus first. Like, and, and maybe we, maybe that's what you uncovered when you first took on the team, but what, what were some of those biggest pain points? Or maybe also, what do you see as big pain points across your customers um, that bring on sales off? Cause I know you also have like, will sometimes, um, you know, collaborate or work with or consult some of your own customers. So yeah. Can you take us through some of those? Of course. Yeah. I think for both inbound and outbound, it's like a, a a big pain point is not having easy access to data or understanding where to go to look for it. And then um, not having a process or a tool that like gives you a process. I think that's the beauty about a sales engagement platform is that you can create a process so that they know what to do when they wake up. I think sales can really be difficult when you know, you're kind of like putting your finger in the wind and like hoping you're choosing the right accounts or you're hoping that you're calling and emailing enough. Um, so having access that data or someone who is saying like, yeah, it does take this many calls or emails or yes, like you need, you do need to look here to find the best accounts to work. Um, I think tends to be the biggest problems I've seen across the companies I've worked at and with our customers. Um, so being able to have the data, understand how to have access to it of like, it, it, it does this fit our ICP? Should I actually be tackling the account? And then after deciding if it's actually accounts you should be tackling, having a way to find process around uh, covering those accounts that you chose to work. So using a sales engagement tool um, as, as well as 
really sticking to the playbooks and the messaging that your enablement marketing team is putting out um, is, 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 is hard for a lot of teams, especially when SDRs, sometimes this is their first job and they're still trying to figure out what, what I have access to so many things, like where should I start? Um, and having one place is kind of like the, you know, the source of truth of like how I start my day and how I do what I do helps them so much. Yeah, I've always thought about sales and SDRs in particular, just coming in and, and it just being kind of like a blank slate and just being like, like I've been kind of told about these different tools or data or things to do, but like, where do I start? Yeah. And it just, it seems so overwhelming, like to think, okay, I've got to make these numbers, but I don't know where to start. And you could totally see how someone would be like maybe to do some false starts or just spend a lot of time just like trying to figure it out themselves. But that's where like good leadership, like, you know, what you're trying to, trying to do to give them kind of like that place to start, give them the data, give them that process. So I'd love to dig into that. Like, what are some of the processes and programs that you've developed to help, to help them in their job and help them really do their job better and more effectively? Yeah, I like, and I said also like one of the biggest problems is not having the data, but I also think a huge problem is having too much data. That's the one yeah, thing I yeah. kind of figured out um, is taking that and being able to point to like, here are the three or five things you need to look at versus, you know, we live in a world where everyone thinks they have intent data and their intent data is better than everyone else's. And we all throw that into Salesforce and we're like, have a great time. Um, <laughs> really, that's what we're doing as marketers. A lot of times we're like, yes, you know, and some are like, you know, it's a lead square of a hundred and some are like, it's hot. Here's a, you know, a, a, a hot oh, pepper, mixture, like all of these things, yeah. the, um, I think consolidating that down to the few that matter most, or even like what we did internally And in this, I think everyone is a little bit different, but we kind of created um, one field that's a formula field that consolidates all the intent data into one score. So we're like, here's a source of truth. I think that was the biggest process change that we made for the SDRs that helped guide them versus, you know, some were trusting one data point versus another, some like this, just because of the way it, you know, some use a number, some use like an ABC, whatever it might be, but consolidating it into one kind of uh, consolidated uh, source of truth of, is this account a good account to work, really helped their process and being able to rank where they should spend their time. And then on top of that, and this this was a score of zero to hundred, so very much like a, a grade. We actually then created an, um, another score using all of our data from Salesloft of, how heavily are you working the account also is zero to a hundred. So a hundred being like, you have multiple people with multiple calls, emails, different types of touches, you know, zero being, you know, you haven't touched this account at all, but then they can kind of stack rank of like, here's an account that has a ton of intent. It fits our ICP, but you know, I I'm working at it like a five out of a hundred. This is where I should spend time. So they can really cross reference of like, how good is it versus how good am I working it? That was the hugest process change right. that we did that helped guide them um, and where they should spend their time because it's hard. Like Salesforce is for a lot of companies, a bottomless pit of accounts and um, being able to cipher through them um, is the greatest, I think, tool we can give sales teams and, and pointing them in the right direction. Yeah, I really like what you said there, where not only are you giving them the score of, you know, based on intent signals, but also how well are you working that and then you can cross-reference that and go well this should be an account that should be I should be really working hard 
And then, I, or I see this account, I'm working at the right amount. And then I can kind of like move on to the ones that like, yeah. instead of just like continually doubling down on the one that you've already done enough work on, and then you're ignoring all the ones that you need to do more work on. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I like that a lot. Exactly. It helps, coaching too. Yeah. it helps with coaching too with managers so yeah. they can be, you're not hitting your number. Like what about these over here? You know, so it helps them. One thing I'd love to dig into is how do you develop trust in these scores and, yeah. and the data? Because I often have found that people can trust it at first, or there's lots, lots of different scenarios. They trust it at first, they find one <laughs> example where it wasn't perfect and then they don't trust it anymore. Or they come in and they're already cynical with data. Maybe they went to a company in the past and it didn't really work out for them. Um, so it's all, a lot of it is always trying to build that trust. I'd love to hear how you've approached that. Yeah, I've experienced the exact same thing. I've built scores before that have died so fast that they, you know, barely saw the light of day. So I've experienced that. I, the the way that this system we found has gotten the most trust around it was building it in lockstep with our SDR and AE managers and kind of having them spot test as we were building it. So we would kind of, you know, build our algorithm and then say, okay, here's you know, 30, can you spot check these and say like, yes, this feels right. Um, And then we would, you know, dial back certain things if we found that we were ranking something high and that we maybe shouldn't have that they didn't agree with. Um, And when we had the manager buy-in that the score felt like right to them of what they should be telling their teams, that's when we actually then, instead of having marketing roll it out, we had sales enablement and Mm -hmm. the sales managers roll it out. Um, I think that a lot of times marketers are like, I built this thing. It's amazing. Like um, I want to, you know, tell you how amazing it is. And I think that sometimes that's where we um, might lose trust because then it feels like marketing built it for marketing. Um, I want them to feel like we built this for sales with sales. And I think that's where the trust comes in. So if their manager has said like, yes, I've spot tested these. I feel strongly that this is the way that you can guide your day. Um, it is, is how we win and build that trust. Um, you know, and I've, I've built a million different, uh, you know, scores that I've rolled out and been super proud of. And I think sometimes the more boastful we are, they're like, did they build that for marketing? Did they build that for us? So, um, I want them to feel like we built it for, not feel like we did, we built it for them. And I want them to know that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Really getting them involved. That's a really good move and then yeah letting them letting the sales managers kind of take the credit for it or or be the ones to tell them about it i think that's some really good advice that i don't see many other companies doing that actually a lot of it at times it is marketing going oh i'm gonna get here's the score throw it over the fence sales use it yeah instead of like you said getting sales enablement to do it get the managers involved in the process early like so they actually feel invested in this like they want it to work because they've put time and effort and care into it themselves yeah. Really, yeah, really great move. Definitely. I think the the next thing, I mean, given you work at Sales Loft, we did want to get a little bit of your expertise around how to best use a sales engagement platform, especially for uh, companies who already use market automation. I think we've seen some bad practices in also then trying to use a sales engagement platform kind of like market automation, which I think defeats the purpose. But um, can you explain maybe for our listeners, like how a market automation and a sales engagement platform are different, but also 
where both can be best used along the funnel. Absolutely. Yeah, the way I, I love to explain um, the key differences is marketing automation is truly one to many. And also, you know, there's not a person behind an email that comes out of marketing automation. Like no one receives an HTML email and be like, oh, oh, there's Steve on the other side. I'm going to reply and Steve's going to help me. We all know it went out to thousands of people and, you know, we're, we're part of the, the database. Um, and then the big, then sales engagement on the other hand is truly one-to-one. There's a person on the other side who, you know, cares about what they're trying to either sell you or help you achieve. Um, and they do do some similar things when you think about just the concept of email. Um, and, but the biggest thing is the person behind it and the intent behind it. So, you know, a lot of times marketing automation is used for the people who may not uh, know what your company does. So maybe educational or truly just like when you think about newsletters or like we have webinars coming up, I want to invite you to something that's for all the people. Um, and then sales loft or sales engagement tools are for a person on the other end to show you what value they have that's relevant to you and your company. Um, and so that's really the, the key differences and they can work to together in a lot of ways. I think so market automation is normally more entry level funnel or more like the newsletter kind of concepts, like keeping customers, prospects engaged and new features, you know, new events, et cetera. Um, and then sales engagement is more of like, okay, you know who I am and now we're ready to talk as, you know, person to person um, is really the difference between the funnels. But they, the great thing is because they both talk to your CRM, you can, you know, create automations between the two, just like most people use the forms within marketing automation. If you were to fill out a form on the website, you could then tell SalesLoft or sales engagement tool to immediately send them an email from their designated rep of like, oh, I saw that you requested a demo. Here I am. I'm your person. Here's my calendar. Let's chat now. So you can really um, have it be you know, a, a, a true funnel in the sense of like talking to the people where they are at the moment and when it matters to them from the right platform. Um, but I think some people, some marketers assume that sales engagement is going to, you know, uh, take away from what they're doing in their emails and, and marketing automation. And really they're, they're two different messages for, for different audiences at different times, but that doesn't mean that they may not overlap or, um, you know, be used on, at the same time to send messages. Who do you advise own the sales engagement platform? Because I, I see there's always so many companies approach it differently. It could be the marketing ops person, the sales ops person, the sell, a sales leader, you know, a demand gen person. Is there a right person to own the platform? Yeah, I, th I think it depends on your company structure and your company size. We, like, we see our customers differ quite a bit. A lot of times at smaller companies, it might be jointly like that you know a marketer and a head of sales together kind of jointly owning it and we tend to see as you get bigger and you have like a more grown out uh sales and marketing ops team and sales enablement team we see a lot of times sales enablement owns it because sales enablement is normally you know taking the messaging from marketing and then creating like what is the you know the playbook that is going to be used um it, I, I don't think there's a right person but i do think what's important is that the person who is owning it is is taking in all the like the great data and putting it 
to action um, because your sales engagement tool is gonna tell you what messaging is working, like what emails, what time of day best to call, um, how your reps are doing. So as long as you have a person on the other end who is like, I have this data and this is something I can use to then either change my sales process or change my messaging, whatever best is going to um, really help get to, to the desired endpoint. As long as you have someone who's able to take that and then take action on it, I think it's most important. But it, it, it can be often a mix of people who, who collaborate. I think that's what's important what we've been talking about when sales and marketing alignment. Like, it, it shouldn't just be one person. It should be a collaboration and everyone feel like, yes, this is the right thing that we should be taking to market because this is what we're doing. We're, we're taking, you know, our, our company's value to potential customers and, and, and current customers. So what are some of the, some of the things that you see people do wrong with their sales engagement platform? Um, I, I think just, uh, not doing enough, maybe like testing is something I, I often see, you know, sort of like talking about, it's important to have some other end saying, okay, I see this is working. I see this is not working, taking the data and utilizing it. I think people, um, you know, they're like, great. Now I have, I can put a process in place. They put a process in place and kind of walk away and they're like sales, have a great time. It's important to like, take a step back and say, is, is that cadence working for, for that team? is it not and and testing the differences i think that's the biggest mistake um i see it or people taking emails that they sent for marketing automation and just dumping them into sales engagement thinking like this worked great in marketing automation it's going to be awesome here um but again like the platforms are used for two different things so you can't you can't just assume that um it, it it's going to be the exact same um the, the metrics you're seeing in that system. One thing I've seen, well, actually I've seen two things. I'd love to get your opinion, but uh, I think the two biggest thing I've seen within sales engagement platforms is, um, and both make them feel a little bit like a wild, wild west in a way, but like um, creating too many uh, cadences or sequences and having like ones just like personal to an SDR and then you end up with just an abundance of like you know 200 on at the same time or even more I, I like I have to say I've seen people with like more than that um and so I would love to get your opinion on that and then too when when do you think that there's like too much automation because I'll see that um some of the sequence will just turn into so much of it is automated. It kind of takes out the personalization and then the SDRs just end up dumping a bunch of contacts into it all at one time and just like calling it a day and like doing their calls. But what, what are, what do you think are your best practices to combat both of those? Yeah, I completely agree with you. There's definitely the concept of too much and that's when you can't really decipher what's working and what's not like I do think it seems important but like once you realize something's not working like we need to archive it and then just stick to you know the five or ten that the team is, is utilizing at the time and I and while it is great that people can create their own you get the best metrics when you're seeing a team use a team cadence and you can see what what is what is actually working versus like you have five SDRs with five completely different cadences. 
and they, you really can't tell, is it the SDR that's working or is it the cadence that's working? So that's an importance of kind of the team, um, uh, you know, concept of, of keeping it simple for them. Um, and I do agree on the automation point too. I, I say automate when um, speed is crucial or when there's something that needs to be absolutely repetitive. Um, like I think automating when someone requests a demo or requests a certain piece of content, like, yes, like let's automate that. Let's send it to them. That's the perfect concept because they want it. They want it now. We all are, you know, creatures of, 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 of we want everything very quickly. Um, and so I think that's when it's important to automate um, or when it, like I said, something repetitive. So like maybe a cadence ends um, and then you want to add them to like a long-term nurture cadence. Like let's take them out of the super personalized one and then maybe put them in a, a long-term nurture cadence that's like one touch a month for a long period of time because they didn't respond to us. And we just want to kind of, you know, keep making sure that we're touching, we're touching base. Um, but sales engagement is meant for the sales rep to be personalized and to be a person on the other end. We're Marky automation is called Marky automation because it automation in it, and we don't call it sales automation uh, for a reason. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the so one of the things that I feel like marketers have struggled with since the beginning of marketing automation is they have such a powerful platform that can very quickly you know set up to send a lot of emails out of it, and different teams can be enabled to do that. And what often happens is you have this insane calendar of communication to different audiences and it's very hard for kind of like a you know a mission control or like an air traffic controller to come in and, and make sure that the messaging for this going out is 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 right it's it's in kind of like a way that makes sense the customer experience is thought about and um there because there's just like so many people with a vested interest in like getting their email out and then i think with the rise of sales engagement platforms, there's a new, there's another, you know, tool out there that now can also send emails to the same people, yep. and I feel like companies now just have that additional struggle where they get where they where they go. And we see this and we audit this sometimes with clients where we come in and we will like take examples of leads or like kind of the general process, and we'll see, okay, well this person comes in the database, they get like this email out of the marketing automation platform and this email out of sales engagement, then they go into like a marketing nurture and a sales engagement nurture. And they're both kind of like conflicting, like kind of saying different things. And then they start getting these webinar invites. And then like they get another like email from like customer mm -hmm. success because they signed up for the product. Yep. And it's kind of like, how do you, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard nut to crack, but I'd love to get your thoughts on how do you rein that in and get that understanding on what's going out, make sure the customer experience makes sense from an email perspective and like an, yeah. out, an, an engagement perspective. Yeah, so what we do internally is we actually start suppressing um, in, in, Mar in our, we use Marketo in our market automation system, uh, contacts that have a lot of sales touches. So just looking at how many activities they've had in the recent month, we suppress those from kind of like any educational webinar or any those type of things. The only thing we'll send them is if there's like a new product launch, new feature, something that might be important to them knowing in the buying process. So we suppress them because we feel as though them getting communication from a person is more likely to have a positive experience than getting messaging from 
you know, a not person on the other end and marketing automation. Uh, so that's how we've kind of tackled it. There's a lot of ways you can, uh, especially if they're a current customer. I think sometimes it is it is easier to have flows that are in marketing automation taking care of those communications. Um, and just when it comes to like your main POC contacting them through SalesLoft, but the people who are just users receiving the messages that have, you know, all of the lengthy information they need about what's new with your product from marketing automation and just the one person who's responsible um, for kind of the, you know, your internal instance being contacted through sales law via person. There's a lot of, way to, a lot of ways to tackle it. That's how we've done it. Um, I think it, but it also just depends um, how diverse your product line is. I think we're lucky at sales off that we have you know, one amazing platform that does a lot, and we don't have a ton of different SKUs and, 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 and products we're trying to sell. And I think that's where it becomes a little more difficult for larger companies that have so much crossover of what they're selling to different customers and when. Yeah, and it probably goes back as well to your, your previous point about making sure you have the right stakeholders who have that interest and ownership in the platform and they are coordinating well. And because mm -hmm. like what you said there, okay, we're going to suppress the marketing when sales is doing this and kind of vice versa. And it, it just needs kind of thought, right? And some yeah. companies might, they might not have the right people owning the right platform. So they kind of don't mm -hmm. think about it. And it just ends up being kind of like Chris's point of the Wild West and everyone's just doing their own thing. So making yeah. sure you have all of the people on the same page and everyone invested um, working together. I completely agree. And that's where the sales and marketing alignment and sales ops even too is so crucial to be talking about who's talking to who and when and agreeing on it. Cause otherwise we have that wild west situation. Definitely. Awesome. Um, is there anything else, any closing comments from you, Melissa, that we missed out on, on your tips or any final piece of advice for our listeners? Um, I think that the main thing I would leave you with is like, be thoughtful and don't be afraid to over communicate with whether you're in marketing or sales with the other person on the other end. I think that, um, sometimes we, sometimes we think it's, it's too much and they may not want to know, but there's so much that every team can and collaborate on and then come to better agreement. Um, so don't be afraid to, to reach out more than you already are so that you can really build the best process um, and funnel for your, your prospects and your customers. Great. Yeah. I love this episode. I thought I had some great tips for, for everyone um, out there in ops working with sales uh, development teams, but also just in general and or using a sales engagement platform. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your tips. Um, and if you like this episode of Forward Thinking, make sure to share it with your uh, with your friends and colleagues. And we'll be sharing a link to Melissa's LinkedIn profile. So go and uh, follow her there. Um, and yeah, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, we'll see you next time on Forward Thinking. Have a good one. Thank you.